Welcome back to Pardon My Franchise, the podcast about movies where there's lots of movies. I'm Nora. I'm joined by Autumn. One dream to keep me hanging on. That... One dream to next line. I don't remember the lyrics to this. I love Duchess. <laughs> I was not paying super close attention to the 80s hair metal ballad that was uh, concluding Highlander 2, The Quickening. Colon. A renegade version. Yeah, we watched what might be the inferior version. I can't. I don't tell. know. I d- it's hard to know. I might get. I might watch Highlander two theatrical cut between this week and next week and get back to you on um, which was the better version of Highlander two. I feel like we need to synthesize a third version out of both to make the true Highlander two. Okay, so we should summarize plot, but I want to like talk real quick. Okay, yeah, summarize the plot. <laughs> right, right. So before we can get there, I want to say, like, let's just quick, quickly establish, like, what are the high points and what are the low points of Highlander 2? And for my money, high points. Goofy, great sets, uh, some cool action scenes. Some alright action scenes. I don't think any of the action scenes were all that good. There were some really good ones and there were some really, eh, eh. Um, but we can agree to disagree on that. I don't feel super strong about it. Um, just fun. Just a fun movie. Low points. Understanding what was happening. Understanding why it was happening. Understanding if the first movie mattered at all, because sometimes it did. I feel like all of these are (laughs) self-explanatory. You always know what's happening. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it's not that hard to intuit why it's a, i had to do a little more heavy lifting on my end than like most movies ask of me i feel like oh so you're just not your palate's not really like trained for the experience of highlander 2. yeah yeah i just like, wasn't on highlander requires 2's level a discerning cinema <laughs> yeah um would you uh cinemaphile yeah really Cinemaphile yeah. to really like <laughs> understand Highlander yeah. to the quickening. Yeah, there's a lot of like complex plot machinations happening that I just you know as a there's as a lot a... of intricate plot mechanisms. <laughs> Maybe not so complex. Me as a movie luddite, I was having a little trouble um, 
in uh under following some of these um this movie uh released in 1991 um it was Eden's theatrical cut cut down to an hour 23 um heavily edited by the studio what do you cut there's a lot you can cut my friend <laughs> i guess you well you can't cut all the sean connery bits unfortunately can't you no, can we, you can't put this in theaters and cut sean connery from the movie you can't you cut all the like sean connery comedy routines that happen in this movie no because half that i guarantee that shit is all in the trailer sure that that might be true um so so yeah i we might have to we might have to like visit the theatrical cut of this movie maybe you cut out the interludes from the future no mm. the past from the past slash zeist yeah so this is directed by the same director as the first movie russell uh Mulca- mulcahy mulcahy um uh most known for directing music videos razorback do you know this movie no okay highlander and resident evil extinction he also directed uh there's all his music videos which i'm not looking at right now. i can't see that because you're scrolling inhumanly fast yeah i'm not even trying to look at his music videos <laughs> um there was something else it was resident evil extinction teen wolf the movie coming out this year it was the uh oh the scorpion king yeah, 2 we'll rise see, of a warrior we'll be returning to this man's oeuvre yeah yeah in yeah the future um you can tell that he directed music videos just from watching these two movies though i think yeah just the opening yeah um so so you described this movie on twitter as the missing link (laughs) between blade runner Uh and batman return i did do that (laughs) that's maybe that's maybe overstating it a little bit i mean it seems right yeah um the only thing this movie takes place primarily in gotham yeah the only thing the only thing i think i'm overstating is that i don't think tim burton was watching this movie being like "Ooh, i'm taking that i'm i i think maybe tim burton was arriving in this place i will say i'd rather watch this than blade runner if you offered me the two options you're an insane person What? (laughs) it's fucking blade runner dude it's one of the best movies ever made i don't know about that (laughs) it's not even one of the best movies that ridley scott directed it is not the best movie <laughs> that Ridley Scott directed between the years 1980. Why are you qualifying this? It is, I'm just saying it's not even the best movie that Ridley Scott directed between the years of 1978 and 1983. Like, What are you thinking of? Alien. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Alien, Alien is way better than Blade Runner. Yeah. Alien's better than most movies, though. <laughs> but I'm saying that, like, Blade Runner is like a top 50 movie of all time, and like... Alien is like top fifteen. That's what we're talking about here. I think it's t- at least ten. It might be at least ten. It's in the conversation. Alien's great. Alien's fucking great, dude. Anyway, <laughs> um, so Connor McCloud is old now. Yes, and he's starting to remember things uh-huh. now. Depending on what version of the movie that you watch. I think these are explained slightly differently. Now, I think that perhaps in both versions, it is the same thing. Yes. It's just that in the theatrical version, they say the words Zeist 
and aliens. I don't know that they say aliens, but they definitely say that they are from the planet Zeist. Yes. And in this movie, no one says the word Zeist, but like... This is the devil's bargain you take, is that you get those 20 minutes back into the movie, but also you lose all references to the other planet, which makes it seem like that Earth is a time prison for this weird desert civilization. Yeah. It just makes it a little more unintelligible. Like, you didn't actually accomplish anything by removing all... um, mentions of the planet zeist you just kind of made it hard to follow so as we understand it people get exiled from place yes (laughs) from zeist and when they are exiled for their crimes in this case rebelling against general katana yeah (laughs) there is no wield a katana by the way they go to earth And once they're on Earth, they are immortal, and everyone else who gets sent with them is also immortal, and they duel it out, and whoever's left standing chooses to either grow old and die, or come back to Zeist with their crimes forgiven. Mm -hmm. This happens... Raising my hand. What about the hearing people's thoughts thing? What? What? What about the what about the end of the first movie when the prize is that he gets to hear people's thoughts? He spent that to build a shield around the earth to protect it from, because the ozone layer was going to The now the last movie that. didn't make me think you could spend that necessarily. I didn't well, get the you, impression that was like a people resource. People only have a little like understanding <laughs> of their life. But you if you conjure your full reckoning of your life, uh, you can accomplish great things. <laughs> Such as get eaten by a bunch of cartoons in the last movie, Uh just getting chomped at. Or, Uh in this movie, you can glow really bright and turn off a switch. Okay. Uh, We'll do that two times in this movie. (laughs) Okay. Go on. So, the the ozone layer is deteriorating in 1999, and Connor McCloud and this other guy build a shield to protect the Earth. Uh The rest of the movie takes place in 2024, when Connor is old. And he realizes, oh, I'm becoming immortal again. There must be guys here. Mm -hmm. Because General Katana is sending assassins into the future slash to Earth to fight, to kill Connor McCloud so that he doesn't come back. And in doing so, actually makes him decide to to be young again um, and like do stuff because otherwise he was going to just die. Yeah. So he kills the two assassins, and he becomes young. Mm. And now he immediately fucks a lady in the within street. Within thirty <laughs> seconds, he's like balls deep in this lady um, on the side of the street, and uh, he quickenings. And so then General Katana follows him into the future slash Earth, and hunts him down, but also just like sows chaos in his passage. Uh, for fun, because he's evil. John C. Riley is the CEO of the no. Shield Corporation. No, no. It's his name is not John C. Riley. It who is, is John C. Riley? John C. Riley is um, Dewey Cox. He is the buddy in Talladega Nights. He is one of the brothers and stepbrothers. Oh, he's that comedian guy. He's the comedian okay. guy. Who, who sometimes who am I is, thinking of? 
you were thinking of the guy from uh, Scrubs, John C. McGinley. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know what? I'm not even gonna razz you for that. That's the same name. <laughs> These two men have the same name. <laughs> anyway. He's the mean doctor from Scrubs. Yeah. He's the CEO of the, or something, of the S.H.I.E.L.D. Corporation. Uh-huh. General Katana forces his way into the S.H.I.E.L.D. Corporation. The S.H.I.E.L.D. Corporation is hiding the fact that the ozone layer is back. Yeah. The ozone layer just fixed itself, and all these corporate uh, fucks are lying to you about climate change. Let's not worry too much about the politics in this movie. Greedy. I guess they make their money from being the S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm. Anyway, uh... I'm raising my hand and asking... There's a group (laughs) called Cobalt who thinks for some reason that the shield is bad and that the ozone layer is back. I'm no, They break into the shield and like get a reading that says that. Yeah. The leader of Cobalt is the lady who gets nutted in by uh, Connor <laughs> McLeod two seconds after he de-ages. Also, she says to him at some point, planet's dying, McLeod. <laughs> I lost my shit. The world's dying, McLeod. Um... And so, together, she and Connor McLeod go out to find the place where the mountains poke through the shields so they can go up and see the sky and realize that it's safe. And then they go and destroy the shield and uh, also kill uh, General Katana. In the midst of all this, Sean Connery came back to life. Right, right, right. So, and so, does a bunch of sort of co- like man out of time comedy goofs. He's in a, He pops in on the stage during a Shakespeare play. And then he goes and gets a tailor. He gets a suit tailored to him. For also, him and then he takes a, a plane ride. And he almost gets hit by a truck at one point. And all that to say that he uh, uses the full knowledge of his self to stop a big blade and uh, save the day when they're trying to find the information. But at the end of the day, uh, Connor McLeod and the leader of Cobalt, whose name I remember but choose not to say, are just happy at the end of the movie with General Katana dead and the shield destroyed and John C. McGinley was thrown out a window by General Katana at one point. And that wraps up the movie and we will never return to any of these plot elements ever again in any Highlander yeah. property <laughs> Um, there is no future with the electromagnetic shield. There is no planet Zeist. There is no General Katana. So three quick things. One, we we neglected to mention that. So what happens is that McLeod kills one of the assassins and takes that guy, takes that guy's quickening to become young again, and he kills the second assassin and uses that guy's quickening to. Um, uh, resurrect yes. um, Ramirez. Uh, Ramirez, yes. And you are going to go get our food while I vamp for a minute. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, we're getting pad thai, everybody. Nora has to go to work in an hour and a half-ish. Uh, got a little bit of a flexible schedule there. So, t- so one, Ramirez brought back with uh, quickening powers. Two, uh, so he is revived in the exact same spot where he died um, all those years ago in Highlander 1. Um, And in the spot he's revived in, they're doing a Shakespeare play, and he, like, interrupts it because, like, the guy is talking to the skull, and alas, poor Yorick, and, like, Sean Connery, or 
Juan, what is it? Uh, Juan Sanchez Villalobos Ramirez perceives this and is like, this is a crazy dude talking to a skull while a bunch of people watch. And like, so all of Sean Connery's next few scenes are going to be like man out of time comedy bits. I don't think that like, I don't think that in 2,500 years of human history, this character would be unfamiliar with the concept of theater. (laughs) I don't think he went to a ton of plays, but I think he would be familiar with, huh, this man's in a silly outfit and a bunch of people are sitting around watching him. I think that he would be able to intuit, like, what was happening there. (laughs) Um, and three, um... I've forgotten now. Um, but yeah, I just... Oh, you're back already. Um, yeah, it's just weird because, like, um, this movie's a lot of fun. Granted, we watched the, the uh, director's cut. Um, and supposedly, I would guess part of the reason that this movie is totally ignored in the future of the Highlander... Because it's fucking stupid. Is cause it, one, because it's fucking stupid... And two, when this movie came out, at the very least, the theatrical version was hated. No one fucking liked this movie when it came out. It has a terrible reputation, right? Um, and so it's like... Please enjoy the uh, random hip-hop from outside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, so I assume that because it was so hated is why they discard all of this for the next movie... Uh, but it just, it feels weird, you know? It feels like, I don't know, you should just have to, like, make the sequel to this movie. But also, this sequel, this movie is barely a sequel to Highlander. Like, a lot of references are made. Like, Sean Connery shows up in the same, like, outfit he had from the last movie, and they are carrying around the swords sometimes, not all the time. Um, but, like, uh... Yeah, I just, it's weird that they just ignore this movie, because at least it explain. at least there is world building in this, even if it's nonsensical. The first movie, totally lacking in, like, lore or world building, and so to just, like, get some and then throw it out is weird, I think. Um, also, apparently there's a documentary about this movie called Highlander 2, Seduced by Argentina. I would love to know where that title comes from. <laughs> Why did Sean Connery get sent back to a different time than Connor? Oh, oh, this movie gay as hell, by the way. This movie gay as hell. The time travel version of this doesn't make any sense. No, not It has one bit. to be a planet thing, not a time thing. It has to be a different planet. So they have to have just sent Sean Connery... But why would they have... Because they were both together at the battle... So why would they have sent Sean Connery through time to Egypt? Unless he's lying about being Egyptian. That wouldn't make sense because he, he met Cleopatra. Uh-huh. So why did they send him to 800 BC and then they send Connor? Unless Connor didn't remember before that but did exist before that, which wouldn't necessarily make much sense. Mm-hmm. And that maybe should have come up. So, and who was the Kurgan? Who was the Kurgan? How does the... I have so many questions about, why does the Kurgan just not matter? Because he was pretty cool in the last movie, and I just felt like he could have, like, we could have incorporated his story into this in any way, shape, or form. 
I mean, his story is just that he's evil. Right? Well, yeah, but like, <laughs> there's no reason he couldn't just be like a guy, I guess. So, so but was the Kirk in a war criminal on Zeist, and then he was sent to Earth? Also, I guess so. Is it really ethical to just send your worst guys to some other place full of random people who will do probably just get killed by them? I don't think those priests were very worried about ethics. <laughs> I think they were not concerned about the ethics of. I do not think they were observing the prime directive. You know, um, I think you could do a really good reboot of Highlander that keeps all this weird shit in. Yeah, totally, absolutely. It wouldn't be that hard. Yeah. No, so... Nobody... Like, are there Highlander fans? I think it's just us. Do people, like, have a deep, like, connection to Highlander in this way? I think it's just you and me, babe. Is this even, like, a beloved thing that people would want more of in the modern age? So... Or is it just, oh, that was that goofy 80s movie with the Queen song? Yeah, I think I think it's like that's that goofy eighties movie. Or I watched that show when I was a kid. Oh, or I kind of like those movies. Is this a movie series that primarily upheld by dads buying bargain DVDs? Yeah, I think I think it is. Huh? They made a they made a third Highlander movie. I guess I'll it's four dollars. Just like I can picture, like my dad who doesn't think critically about movies beyond. Uh, is it a movie? Okay, I'll watch it. Yeah. And like, it's specifically like, is it a movie where XYZ happens? I'll watch it. Yeah. Typically, your uh, Tremors 2s. Oh, yeah. World. Oh, I like sword fight movies. This looks like a movie with sword fights. And he gets to fuck a hot girl. He does get to fuck a hot girl. Uh, I guess there's boobs in that one part at the beginning when they roll through Gotham. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, so... I want to talk about two things. I want to talk about how this movie gay as hell. This movie kind of takes place like a few blocks away from RoboCop 2. Yeah, it really <laughs> does. That's the other thing. So like, there's nothing saying that RoboCop and Highlander can't be in the same universe. The 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 shield has cast um like all of Earth into eternal night basically. And seemingly every city on the planet has become Gotham. Also seemingly the entire planet is a city other than these one mountains. Well, we just only hung out in New York. Is it New but York? There was a little bit of Scotland that also seemed Gotham-y. No. Where is that one? When was... When General Katana was on that train, where was the train at? Underground. Underground of where? Where was he going? The city. He just got in the train. <laughs> I don't I think he, this is a Randall flag. Okay. This is, this is sort of a flagian character. That, uh... Okay, so like the city is a turtle night. I'm gonna talk about this train in a second because this scene is unhinged. It's the best scene of the movie. Um Uh well the film was I I looked where did Highlander 2 take place? And it says the film was shot almost entirely in Argentina before and after the country's economy crashed. Okay, so that explains Seduced by Argentina. As the local economy experienced hyperinflation, the film's investors and completion bond company took direct control of production and final edit, removing the director and his creative influence. Okay. So, um, what city is this, though? I guess just New York, because that's where the last movie was. And that's where um, the lady from the last movie died, just in New York. 
So Highlander Two City. Uh, I don't think they say it doesn't. Uh, no. So so like the reason we keep talking about Gotham though is it's Eternal Night and it's like everything is these huge like like massive like deep background paintings like like truly when you imagine like the flying cars going past like the the coca-cola ads in blade runner like that's what we're talking about like when you imagine like the um the flying car coming up to the big pyramid where tyrell is at in blade runner or when you imagine just like Batman in Batman Returns looking out over the city. Like, that's what we're talking about. Like, that's the architecture. That's the, like, lighting. Like, there's an office that is used in four different scenes in this movie that just has, like, a giant fan behind it that is, like, casting, like, weird light rays into... There's a light behind it, and it's just, like, foggy or, like... Yeah, and it's just foggy in the same way that, like, the... The the Voight-Kampf test at the start of Blade Runner... I almost said Blade Runner 2. It's not. <laughs> um, they made a lot more of those than two. They made like 2,000 of them. Yeah, they made like 2,049 Blade Runner movies. Um, I found a, a news story from the LA Times about the filming of Highlander 2 from 1990. Okay. Just the most basic like, hey, this thing happened, which is about uh, they filmed that desert scene on a beach in Argentina. Okay, sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch this Highlander two seduced by Argentina thing. I gotta know more about all this. <laughs> so, and, and, or like or like, um, General Katana and Connor McCloud are having a fight at one point, and they're in this like weird building, and they're climbing up like this like these like fire escape style stairs, like metal stairs, and then right? one of them falls they, down and right, well, before that. They get to the top of the building, and there's a huge glass dome over the building. And they're fighting, and they break through the glass, and then there's just this, like, gigantic, like, falcon made of steel. Or stone. I think it's steel, because I think you could see rivets. But regardless, um, and, like, they're, like, you know, he's holding them over the edge of the building, and there's the falcon there, and there's just, like, this, like, painting of like the sky and the shield and like the buildings it's just like really evocative and cool there are a lot of big establishing shots in this movie yeah first a lot of them are like effects shots that don't look very good yeah yeah Uh, they were not filmed on the same film yeah there's a lot of like sudden cuts to like tape for the effect shots the as the first shot we see of the shield control center is kind of blown out yeah but uh, it all looks really cool. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's the deal with that plane. Yeah, I don't know what the deal with that plane was. There's at one point, but Sean Connery gets Wait on a, a second. If the mountains pierce the shield... Uh-huh. Yeah, no, I was thinking about this too. Shouldn't a plane go above the shield? Shouldn't the planes go above the shield? Unless they have to stay below because it's been 25 years of living under the shield. And that's why that wasn't a jet. And that they've just, like, changed the airplane industry to not allow planes to go that high. So, flying is still... That's why that guy in the in the tailor said, I believe the fastest way is still to fly, because uh, you still have to fly, but you can't... It has to be but, New York City, because he says he's going to fly to New York. 
but how does he fly from Scotland to New York without going high enough to cross the shield without a jet engine also, but also be there in time to do things in the movie? Your guess is as good as mine, boss. (laughs) This movie has some... I have some quibbles with some details, but... Now, see, that was... Now, granted, if that's the only place where the mountains break the the shield, maybe that's the highest point on Earth. But it's not. That they just walked up. (laughs) Yeah, because they just walked. (laughs) Interesting. Interesting. (laughs) See, what I thought was going to happen was that they were going to go to those coordinates and they were going to see a hole in the shield. Not that they were just going to casually stroll up the mountainside, get to the mountain peak, with no climbing gear. And well, there's like, a ladder inside. Oh, right. There was that. Yeah. <laughs> Can we talk about the plane, though? Can we talk about this weird-ass plane shot? There's a, there's a plane that is painted. Behind it is computer-generated like lines and stuff for the shield. And then the propellers are animated, like, with, like, pencil, I assume. So we get this, like, establishing shot of the plane that looks insane. Go inside. And then there's, like, when I talk about Sean Connery comedy routines, Sean Connery sits in a seat, and the the seat in front of him has a TV, and he's watching the in-flight safety video. And it's, like... In case the cabin depressurizes, grab your mask. And instead of just showing, like, calmly, like, you know, grabbing the mask, putting it on, it's like the cabin depressurizes. And then, like, all the passengers in the safety video, winds blowing, papers and food and drinks are flying everywhere, people are screaming. And Sean Connery is like, ooh, oh, this seems scary. And, like, this escalates and escalates and escalates until eventually, like, you see a little, like, bad like effects shot purposefully bad a model of, like, plane of, a model plane thank you i couldn't get there um <clears throat> I, I legit couldn't get there like a model plane crashing into model mountains and then the plane just disappears and is replaced with fire and everyone dies in the insight in flight safety yes. video it's funny it's it was funny i did laugh and then after the in flight safety video he leads over to this chick next to him and he's like you want to go fuck in the plane bathroom? And she's like, maybe. <laughs> you know, all the most beautiful women of history had dark hair. Yeah. And then the, the like, flight... The flight, flight attendant, attendant, yes. Doesn't... Uh, uh, she offers him food, and he's like, oh, I don't need anything I can't identify. And then he looks at the woman, and he's like, mostly. <laughs> and, and I'm she, like, my man, you can identify pussy. <laughs> maybe he only eats ass. Maybe he only eats ass, but he doesn't know because what ass he's... is. No, he doesn't know what pussy is. What do you mean? Because he can't identify pussy because um... he's only eaten ass because he's gay. Right, yeah. Right, so... And he's never encountered anybody, like, with a pussy. The start of this movie... Because he's from the 1565. <laughs> the start of this pussy... <laughs> Fuck me, dude. The start of this movie is intercutting, like... Connor McLeod is at the opera house um, and he's remembering Zeist and he's remembering the rebellion, right? Um, and and Sean Connery is leading this rebellion. It's still, still on Zeist is called Juan Sanchez Villalobos Ramirez, which raises many questions. <laughs> and Connor McLeod is also called Connor McLeod on Zeist. Yes. 
<laughs> so many questions are raised. These will not be addressed by the film. And he, he's just part of Connor is just part of the rebellion. And one day they're all summoned. And Connor or, or, or Juan Sanchez is like, I'm going to, you know, all of you are the free men of Zeist. And I'm, well, he doesn't say that in this of version planet. of the planet. Um, and I will not lead you to freedom. But um, Connor McLeod will. Connor, and he points, and he points at, at him. Everything flashes, and, and then they do a big fight. Yeah, well, well, you're missing that. Then they like <laughs> dip their hands into glowy goo. The Holy Grail, the, I assume. The Holy Grail, because it gives and, them immortality. Yeah, and they touch their hands together, and Sean Connery is like, "Now we have a bond that is unbreakable, even in death. I will always come back to you," and like. You know, then they're separated for most of the movie, and we saw them kind of being gay in the first movie. I think they're you separated more gay into it than I do. They're separated for a long Shocker. time. <laughs> and when they get back together, they have a, like... Like, Sean Connery shows up at Connor's apartment in New York, and um, they just start, like, sword fighting, and, like, circus music plays for some reason. <laughs> and they're just, like, sparring in the apartment... Um, and catching up about old times, and then, um, Connor's new girlfriend walks in and is like, ooh, did I walk into something private? And it definitely, like, she's making eyes at both of them, and both of them are making eyes at her, and the, the vibes are strange, my friend. <laughs> the vibes are strange. <laughs> uh, Which made me tweet that these two are gonna eat two Mama Tambi and her. Um, but anyway. So five stars. Yeah, five star movie. It it drags a little bit. It's a little unintelligible, but like a five star movie. By the time the movie realizes that it's gone too far, it, it closes itself off. Yeah, yeah, definitely at the like hour thirty mark, I was like, let's wrap this up. And the movie is also like, ah, oh, let's wrap this up. Ah, uh, sword fight, sword fight, sword fight. Ah, uh, let's be done. Hey, I mean, one villain kills the other villain, and then Connor just kills General Katana without any final like clip yeah. or anything. Yeah, he just, he cuts off his head and says there can be only one. End of movie. And then he is one. Yeah. And then he turns off the shield, but without telling anybody that he's going to do it, and without telling anybody that it's safe to do that. Yeah. So probably causes a global panic that will never be addressed because this is the end of this timeline. Yeah. <laughs> We're driving back in time in the next movie to somewhere. Shrug. Um. Yeah, five stars. How would you come... This is better than the first movie, right? Yeah. Is this movie better than Dawn of the Dead? We're not doing this yet. Okay. We're doing this at the end? Yeah. Okay. When we've seen them all. Okay. Fair enough. What are you doing? I didn't remember... <laughs> I didn't remember how the fucking segments work. I feel like we change how the segments work every fucking episode. Yeah, so what? <laughs> if you don't like it, you can make a renegade cut of this movie, this podcast. Yeah. Um. That's Highlander 2. That's Highlander 2. The Quickening. Too. What is the quickening? Uh, it, it, the quickening is magic that you can have if you're from Zeist, but only if you really think, man, I had a dope life. What crimes do you think uh, the various Highlanders from the first movie committed on Zeist? To okay. be exiled. So, so who who do we we got? We've got three guys. We got Connor. We've got Juan Sanchez. Well, we know them. We've got Kurgan. The three got... we have is Kurgan, the guy at the beginning, 
And Castigar. And Castigar. Who's the guy at the beginning? I don't remember. He's the guy in a suit. He fights him in the parking garage. Right, right. So, so, Kurgan, definitely nothing good. He's just a general katana type. Yeah, that... Running around, killing guys, going... I think he probably... His crime was probably just going... At the wrong guy. (laughs) At the priests. Yeah, he probably just, like... It's like, ooh, I'm gonna swing my sword at you. <laughs> ooh, I'm Castigier. gonna do sexual assault. <laughs> what about Castigear? Castigear being too cool. Being too suave. Being, uh... I, I'd like to imagine he was just another rebel, I guess. You know? I guess so. It was just captured in an earlier battle, maybe. We're fighting against the Trade Federation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And the uh, priests are the leaders of the Trade Federation. The, the guy that we don't remember the name of? Yeah. Um, they just didn't like him. They just said... <laughs> He's cringe. Yeah, they just thought he was cringe. He microwaves his fish in the office uh, break room. They they thought it was really annoying how he did backflips to get fucking everywhere. They're, they're like, yeah. fucking cut it out with the fucking backflips, Gerald. Exiled. Get out of here. <laughs> Uh, we'll be back next time with Highlander 3. The Sorcerer. Not to be confused with... Highlander 3, The Wizard. No, Highlander 6, The Source. Oh. <laughs> you know what? I wasn't gonna get there. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be real honest with you. Um, oh, there's a... For the phenomenon within the Highlander universe, see quickening. That's just... It takes you to a page for the Highlander franchise. Um... Can you just pull up the next movie, please? Highlander 3, The Sorcerer. The page... I just want to see the picture. Um, yeah. Apparently Mario Van Peebles is in this one. Also known as Highlander The Final Dimension or Highlander The Final Conflict. 1994, so this is the one that comes out while the TV series is running. Before the renegade version of Highlander 2 happens. Yes, this is one year before the home video renegade release uh set as an alternate sequel to the original film it is the final handling film that focuses on connor mcleod in the film connor mcleod is forced to face a new dangerous enemy a powerful sorcerer known as kane who threatens to win the fabled prize in order to gain world domination by eliminating mcleod do we think that mcleod will be able to hear people's thoughts in this movie no okay i think that is just poetics uh mario van peoples is kane um, who else we got? Deborah Kara Unger. Do I know this actor? No. No. She's in Crash, but I haven't seen Crash. She's in Silent Hill. Okay. I, I'm i not going to know any of these. Uh, we got the Kurgan again, though. Mako is Nanako. Nakano, Nakano. I guess. I misread that. Um, this is going to be our second Mako movie <laughs> for Pardon My Franchise. Our second, third in a series that has Mako. <laughs> Wait, Mako was in... Mako was oh, the Mako CEO was the C- OC- yeah. of, of the company that owned OCP. Right. I've, yeah. Uh, um, he was so huh. honorable. Well, Robocop was honorable. Yeah, Robocop was honorable, right, yeah. Do you think Robocop could defeat uh, Connor McLeod? I mean, the question is, do I think that... I, I think, think I so. think RoboCop would be capable of cutting off Connor McLeod's head if he knew to do that. If he knew the, that's the thing. If he knew to do that, um, do I think that like Connor McLeod could get him first? Do I think that he would like 
want to do that or would he just be like oh you're arrested for crimes could connor mcleod defeat the ninja cyborg from robocop 3 yes absolutely okay. he would chump that dude out just like robocop did <clears throat> that does it for this episode of pardon my franchise you can find me on twitter at neither nora or on co-host at ashworm ash with an e worm with a y and on expertodd.io where i do various other podcasts you find me on twitter at autumnal underscore coffee you can find me on co-host at autumnal um you can find me eating pad thai just a few minutes from now you can go to expert if you do we need to talk about how you got here <laughs> you can uh, go to exportodd.io that'll take you to the patreon page where we've got links to all the free feeds for all the shows um i'm pretty sure that's up to date i need to double check that this podcast is on that list um dollar a month gets you things early five dollars a month gets you we will be recording bonus episodes of this soon we've been discussing what to do um yeah we've had a bunch of different ideas and both of us uh, I have ideas, and you're like, I don't want to do that. And you have ideas, and I'm like, I don't want to do that. So we gotta, we just got to pick something. Yeah. Um, uh, Pop Town Funk, um, which we will have all the time in the world to do that in Dallas, I feel like. Sure. We should do it before we, sh- we go so that we can maybe bring the next role with us. And oh, and inflict make, it on your friends. Yeah, yeah. And make my friends watch whatever garbage. Yeah, with make us. your friends watch an episode of Rick and Morty with us or whatever. Uh, <laughs> who knows? It might be fun. It might be... Rick and Morty might be fun. <laughs> looking at my bookshelf. Uh, I mean, I guess the only thing on my bookshelf that has Funko Pops is probably going to be Lord of the Rings. But We could get a Sora Kingdom Hearts Funko. We could get... A Donald Duck Funko. We could get... We could get a Scott Pilgrim Funko. We could get JFK. We could get J... Man, that would be <laughs> lit hell. We'd have so many options if we got JFK. We would watch X-Men. We would uh, watch X-Men. We could watch... Because he's he's a mutant. Yeah, we could watch that eleven twenty two sixty three miniseries that they did. We could watch all sorts of things. We could read Billy Bat. I'm not going to read Billy Bat. We're not going to read Billy Bat. <laughs> Um, farewell, dear shitheads. <laughs> <laughs>